What if being a happy pharmacist wasn't a dating but your reality? Hi, I'm Sierra Richards. I'm a pharmacist who experienced burnout early in my career, overcame it, and am now living a life that makes me happy and healthy. On this podcast, I share the strategies and tools you need to prevent burnout, set boundaries, and start living the life you have been dreaming of. This is the Happy Pharmacist Podcast. AI is currently a hot topic across all industries based on its ability to potentially change how we obtain and process information. But how well does it know the profession of pharmacy? Can you rely on the information it provides about being a pharmacist? I'm answering that question today by asking ChatGPT seven questions about the profession of pharmacy and using my experience over 11 years working in the profession to evaluate the answers. Before we dive in, I do want to clarify that I am using ChatGPT March 2023 version. I am fully aware that there are more advanced versions of AI out there, but this one is currently available for free. And at the time of recording, most likely what people will be using because it's the free version and easily accessible. So as AI improves, or if you're using a more advanced AI technology to answer these questions, you're probably hopefully getting better answers as well. So the first question I asked was, what does a pharmacist do? And I'm just gonna read you the answer and give you my response. So a pharmacist is a licensed healthcare professional who is responsible for preparing, dispensing, and monitoring medications prescribed by doctors and other healthcare providers. Pharmacists work in a variety of settings, such as hospital, clinics, retail pharmacies, and other healthcare facilities. Okay, that's like pretty on point. I mean, you're missing all of the non-clinical pharmacist roles out there like industry and academia, but those are definitely lesser known and have less pharmacists working in those positions. So I see why it might not bring those in in a very general question like this. Their primary duties include dispensing medication. Pharmacists are responsible for dispensing medication as per the prescription provided by the healthcare provider. They check the dosage, frequency, and instructions for use and provide information to the patient regarding the medication. True. Checking for drug interactions. Pharmacists check for drug interactions and potential side effects of medications that are prescribed to a patient. Also true. Counseling patients, they also counsel patients on proper use of medication and answer any questions patients may have about their medications. True. Compounding medication, pharmacists may also be involved in compounding medication, which involves preparing customized medications for patients with unique needs. This is true, so there are specific compounding pharmacies that do this. Some retail pharmacies will do this. It depends on how equipped they are to do this. They may do very minor compounding. Usually more robust compounding has to go through a specific compounding pharmacy. Sterile compounds are made all the time in the hospital. In me and research, we do a lot of compounding because we have to make blinded placebo medications. And so we have to make the placebo and then make whatever active drug we are using match. So compounding can be a pretty big part of the job depending on like what area or specialty of pharmacy you're in. Number five is collaborating with healthcare providers. They collaborate with doctors and other healthcare providers to ensure the best possible outcomes for patients. We do this in a variety of ways. So if I'm verifying orders, I'm calling the physician to ask for clarifying questions or I'm speaking with the nurse about adjusting times to make this the best possible experience for the healthcare team taking care of the patient and the patient themselves. We also participate in the interdisciplinary 
preliminary rounds. So when the patient is in the hospital and there's a whole team of people that come around, pharmacist or one of those team members, it has the nurse, the physician, if there's any medical residents, it typically has a dietitian and respiratory therapy. And there's just a lot of different people who go on those rounds and pharmacists are just one of them. And we typically are focused in on that medication piece and the monitoring that needs to be done for the medications the patient is on. Which brings to number six, I, sh I was getting ahead of it, monitoring patient health. Pharmacists may monitor patient's health to ensure medications are working as intended and to identify any adverse reactions. With their medications, we're typically looking at, are there any labs we need to draw? If it's a medication that requires levels, are we getting those levels? Are those levels within range? Do we need to adjust the dose? So those are the types of things we do as far as monitoring goes. Then it says overall pharmacists play a crucial role in the healthcare system by ensuring that patients receive safe and effective medication therapy. I would say this mostly covers the basics of a community pharmacy and starts touching into a little bit of like staffing in a hospital setting, but there's so many other things that pharmacists do that I hope that when we go through some of these other questions that chat GPT picks up on, because even for like community pharmacists, they also do medication therapy management and they give immunizations and they do like blood pressure and blood glucose screenings for patients. So there are a lot of other duties that pharmacists do outside of the basic scope that this question answers, but it was a basic question. It was the first one. So it was like, it was, it was decent, decent answer. Let's move on to question number two. How do you become a pharmacist in the United States? ChatGPT answered, to become a licensed pharmacist in the United States, you will generally need to complete the following steps. Obtain a bachelor's degree. You will need to earn a bachelor of science or a bachelor of arts degree from an accredited college or university. Although there is no specific major required, you will need to complete certain prerequisite courses such as chemistry, biology, physics, and math. This is incorrect. So I do not have a bachelor's degree. I did not complete my bachelor's before going into pharmacy school. Many of my classmates also did not complete a bachelor's degree before going to pharmacy school. It's not a requirement. There may be some schools that do recommend it or prefer it and may even require it, but the majority of schools do not. It is correct about the prerequisites. So every single school has different prerequisites. A lot of things overlap that make sense. Like you have to have your general chemistry and organic chemistry and usually biochemistry and some cell biology, things that just make sense for a pharmacist to know. Those are required in order to become a pharmacist. However, Every school is a little bit different on their exact requirements. So if you are applying to pharmacy schools, make sure you check you're getting prerequisites for every place that you're applying. I do also agree with the fact that your major really doesn't matter that much. A lot of people choose things like biochemistry, biology, chemistry, these science-based majors because they're gonna get a lot of those prerequisites out of the way. However, I know people who were majors in music and English that got into pharmacy school and did just fine. They just made sure they added those prerequisites on as electives. Number two is to take the pharmacy college admissions test. The PCAT is a standardized test that measures your academic ability and scientific knowledge. Most pharmacy schools require the PCAT for admission. This is also incorrect. So this is really showing the limitations of ChatGPT, at least the version that I am using, because it says anything after 2020 may not be as accurate, and this is definitely not. Most pharmacy schools do not require the PCAT anymore. In fact, the 2023-2024 admission cycle will be the last time the PCAT is offered at all. So I think January of 2024 is the last time the test will be administered, and then after that, it will not be required because it's not going to be an option to be 
taken. Point three is to earn a doctor of pharmacy degree. You will need to complete a doctor of pharmacy or PharmD degree from an accredited pharmacy school. The PharmD program typically takes four years to complete. This is accurate. If you're coming from out of country, sometimes a bachelor's will be allowed. You have to take equivalency exams. There's other things involved that I'm gonna be honest, I don't really know the process very well. But if you're going to graduate from an accredited school of pharmacy in the United States, then you will be getting a doctorate of pharmacy after you graduate. It is also correct that this typically takes four years. There are a variety of different programs out there though. There are some that are accelerated that you can do it in three. There are some programs that combine those prerequisite years with the pharmacy school and it's like a six or seven year program to do all of it in one. You have different options other than just your standard four year pharmacy school experience, but that is definitely the most common. Number four is complete a pharmacy residency. This is optional. A pharmacy residency is a postgraduate training program that allows you to gain additional experience and expertise in a specific area of pharmacy practice. Although it is not required, many pharmacists choose to complete a residency to enhance their career prospects. This is true. I would also say there are fellowships available as well. So if you want to go into academia, you can get fellowship. If you're interested in doing industry, you can get fellowships. If you're interested in going into like working with pharmacy organizations, you can also get fellowships through them. So residency isn't the only postgraduate training option, but it is a common one. Number five is pass the North American Pharmacist Licensure Exam or the NAPLEX. The NAPLEX is a comprehensive exam that tests your knowledge and skills in pharmacy practice. You must pass this exam to become licensed as a pharmacist in the United States. Very true. Nothing, nothing to add there. Six is to pass a state-specific pharmacy law exam. In addition to the NAPLEX, you will also need to pass a state-specific pharmacy law exam to become licensed in your state. This is also true. The majority of states have the MPJE as their exam, but there are states like Arkansas, I think, uses not the MPJE. They have another test that they use. California has the CPJE. So there are various different requirements based on which state you're in, and the laws are different in each state. So if you take the MPJE in one state, you will have to take a different one in another state. It does not transfer. It's important to note that the specific requirements for becoming a pharmacist may vary depending on the state in which you plan to practice. You should consult with the State Board of Pharmacy in the state where you plan to practice for specific requirements and regulations. This is a very good tip because there's different requirements for continuing education. There are different requirements for how many intern hours you need before you can become licensed in that state. There are also different requirements that you have to do to just get licensed. For example, there are wet labs in some of them where you have to do compounding and other states don't require require that. So just make sure if you are interested in getting licensed in a specific state or multiple states that you are double checking the requirements that are needed in order to become a pharmacist there. Let's move on to question number three, which is how much does it cost to become a pharmacist? The cost of becoming a pharmacist can vary depending on various factors such as the country and the educational institution you choose to attend. In the United States, the cost of a doctor of pharmacy degree program can range from approximately $65,000 to $200,000 or more. Yikes. Depending on the institution and whether you attend a public or private school, however, financial aid, scholarships, and grants are available to help offset these costs. 
Other costs associated with becoming a pharmacist include the cost of textbooks, materials and equipment, as well as licensure fees and continuing education requirements. It's important to research and carefully consider the cost and financial aid options before pursuing a career in pharmacy. So I would say this answer is pretty good. The only thing that I would add here is I feel like the biggest difference between how much it's going to cost, yes, public and private is important, but also is it out-of-state or in-state tuition that you're paying? Because if you are going to the same institution and you're an in-state student versus an out-of-state student, your tuition costs can double, and if you're out-of-country, it can even triple or quadruple the cost. So... If you can stay in-state or find a way to get in-state tuition, that will help reduce your cost dramatically. I personally have not seen a lot of emphasis placed on what school of pharmacy that you go to as far as getting a job or residency placement. So making sure you're just at an accredited institution that has good pass rates for their board exams, and if you're interested in residency, good placement into residency would be my top recommendation. Moving on to question number four, what is the best job for a pharmacist? ChatGPT says, the best job for pharmacists depends on their interests, skills, and priorities. Very true. It's going to vary person to person. Here are some potential career paths for pharmacists. One, retail pharmacists. Retail pharmacists work in drugstores or grocery stores, filling prescriptions and providing advice to customers. This is a common career path for pharmacists and can provide a stable income with regular hours. Mm, eh, regular hours? I wouldn't say that retail pharmacists have regular hours. A lot of retail pharmacists I know work weird shifts and they work like 12 hours long. Stable income, maybe regular hours, not so much. Hospital pharmacists. Hospital pharmacists work in hospitals and healthcare facilities, ensuring that patients receive the correct medications and monitoring their reactions. This job can be challenging but rewarding and may offer opportunities for advancement. This is true. I mean, hospital pharmacists do a lot more than what they're mentioning here, but we'll give ChatGPT that one. Clinical pharmacists. Clinical pharmacists work with physicians and other healthcare providers to develop and implement treatment plans for patients. Their role requires strong communication and collaboration skills, as well as deep understanding of medication and its effects. Yeah, I mean, this overlaps a lot. I personally am not a huge fan of the term clinical pharmacist because all pharmacists, if you're working with patients, are using clinical skills, but I mean, this is a job title, so okay. Uh, number four is pharmaceutical industry. Some pharmacists work with pharmaceutical companies developing and testing new drugs and working in sales or marketing roles. This job can offer opportunities for higher salaries and career advancement, but may require a lot of travel and long hours. This is also true. Ultimately, the best job for pharmacists is the one that aligns with their interests, strengths, and career goals. It's important for pharmacists to explore different career paths and determine what works best for them. So I agree that what the best is, and this is one of the reasons I did this, ChatGPT is not going to be able to give you an answer of like what's the best overall, but you could probably put something in about your specific skill sets or the things that you're good at and see what it pops out then. It would probably be different. I feel like this just gave like four of the more commonly known pharmacist jobs versus like the best jobs because I can guarantee you if there's retail or community pharmacist here, they probably wouldn't put retail pharmacy as the number one pharmacist job. It's the most common, but right now it's a very difficult job. And again, that regular hours thing is not true, or at least not true for everyone. So for question number five, I wanted to check, are there more non-traditional pharmacist roles that ChatGPT can pull? And so I ask, name 10 types of jobs for pharmacists. And this was the response. Community pharmacist, working in a retail pharmacy or drugstore. Community pharmacist, dispense medications and provide drug information to patients and counsel patients on proper medication usage. We're back to hospital pharmacists. Hospital pharmacists work in a hospital setting where they dispense medications to patients, collaborate with physicians and nurses to develop drug therapy plans, 
and monitor patient response to medications. I feel like this is a little bit better description of a hospital pharmacist than the last one. Three is clinical pharmacists. Clinical pharmacists work with patients and healthcare providers to optimize medication therapy and ensure safe and effective use of medications. Okay. Consultant pharmacists. Consultant pharmacists provide medication management therapy to long-term care facilities such as nursing homes and assisted living facilities. I'm pretty surprised they included this one because it's not as common, but I'm glad that it's in here. Five is pharmaceutical industry pharmacist. They work in pharmaceutical industry where they develop and test new medications, ensure medication safety and efficacy, and provide drug information to healthcare professionals. Got it. Number six, academic pharmacist. Academic pharmacists work in colleges and universities where they teach pharmacy students, conduct research, and provide patient care in academic medical centers. This is a good one to bring up because there's a couple different types of academic pharmacists. So some of them work specifically in didactic coursework and they're teaching, they're doing research and they're not in a clinical practice site, but then other pharmacists are doing more of a hybrid model where they take care of patients on certain days and are teaching students, but they are also in the didactic coursework. And so there's different types of professors that you can be as a pharmacist. Number seven is government pharmacist. Government pharmacists work for government agencies such as the FDA and CDC and VA, where they ensure medication safety and efficacy, develop drug policies, and provide drug information to the public and healthcare providers. I'm really glad this one is in here because a lot of people don't realize that like pharmacists can work for like the DEA and the FDA and the CDC and these larger organizations, but there are specific pharmacists who work for them. I, working in research now, deal with pharmacists who work at the NIH or the National Institutes of Health all the time. Compounding pharmacists. Compounding pharmacists prepare customized medications for patients with unique medical needs or conditions. Yes. Number nine, nuclear pharmacists. Nuclear pharmacists work with radioactive materials to prepare radiopharmaceuticals for diagnostic and therapeutic use in nuclear medicine. This is a unique job that a lot of people don't realize. I didn't realize this existed until I went to pharmacy school, but this job is very challenging and you often work like crazy hours and getting up in the middle of the night to make these therapies, but it's also very rewarding because a lot of these treatments help with cancer diagnosis and cancer treatment. So they can be, you know, very rewarding jobs if that's something you're interested in. And number 10 is research pharmacists. Research pharmacists conduct research on drug discovery and development, drug interactions, and medication safety and efficacy. I'm a research pharmacist working in investigational drug service, which means I'm helping a specific institution carry out their medication research by handling all of the dispensing tasks, reviewing it for ethics, that sort of thing. I'm pretty surprised that's in there. It's not a very common job, so... I mean, little biased because my job came up in there, but I think it's a pretty decent list. It answered the question nonetheless. The next question is how much does a pharmacist make? ChatGPT said, the salary of a pharmacist can vary depending on various factors such as location, experience, type of employer, and level of education. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the median annual wage for pharmacists in the United States was $128,090 in May of 2020. However, the lowest 10% earned less than $89,320 and the highest 10% earned more than $166,910. It's important to note that these figures are for general pharmacists and specialized pharmacists such as clinical pharmacists, pharmacists in the pharmaceutical industry, and pharmacists who own their own business may earn different salaries. 
I would say this is pretty accurate. This is the numbers that I've seen when I have looked into this in the past. And I think the numbers have gone up a little bit in the past couple of years just because of inflation. But overall, this is pretty accurate. I will say I am glad that it brought up that you can make more money if you work in other settings. So I know industry pharmacists typically start out higher than this. I also will say I know pharmacists who are in management that make over $200,000, $250,000 a year, depending on what their role is. So there are opportunities to increase your salary. But if you're going to be in a staffing pharmacist role, whether that's in retail pharmacy or in a hospital pharmacy setting, you don't see a lot of income growth in those positions unless you are moving up the ladder into something else. And the last question is how do you get a pharmacy residency? I was really intrigued by this one. So ChatGPT says getting a pharmacy residency typically involves the following steps. One, meeting the eligibility requirements. Most residency programs require applicants to have a doctor of pharmacy degree from an accredited school of pharmacy and a valid pharmacist license. So this is true and not true all at the same time. In order to apply for a residency, you don't have to have these requirements when you apply or even when you start. You do have to have your PharmD when you start, but your valid license just has to be intact in 90 days of starting your residency. Number two, research residency programs. Look for residency programs that match your interest and career goals. Consider factors such as location, duration, and specialty. I agree with this. You wanna make sure if you're going to do a residency, you know as much about those programs as possible before you apply because it costs a lot of money and you don't wanna waste your time or your money going and interviewing at a place that you're not interested in and you definitely don't wanna spend a year to two years of your life in a place that is not what you wanted at all. Number three is prepare your application. Gather all the required application materials, which may include transcripts, letters of recommendation, a personal statement, and a CV. This is pretty accurate. These are the things that you have to have in your application. It's not usually a personal statement, it's a letter of intent, but you get the point. Number four, submit your application. Follow the instructions provided by each residency program to submit your application. Most programs use the Pharmacy Online Residency Centralized Application Service forecast for the application process. This is accurate. There might be like supplemental application things that you have to include. There may be specific recommendations on who your letters of recommendation can come from. So just make sure you check the website or the application process for each specific program. Number five is participate in the match process. The match process is a computerized system used by residency programs to match applicants to available positions. You need to register for the match and submit a list of programs that you are interested in. So you can register for the match and you do forecast like all in one process, but this is a huge part of getting residency. Number six is interview with residency programs. Residency programs will typically invite top candidates for an interview either in person or virtually. This is true. I would say we're seeing a lot more virtual interviews now since the pandemic, which does decrease cost, but there are benefits to being in person and really seeing the environment, especially someplace that you may be staying for a couple of years of your life. And then also, you know, possibly staying after that. So there's pros and cons to that, but overall, this is true. Number seven is rank your preferred programs. After the interviews are complete, both applicants and residency programs will submit a rank list for their preferred choices. 
Yes, and this is very nerve-wracking, and then you will submit this, and then it takes a couple of weeks to get your match results, which is number eight. The match results are released on a specific date, and applicants will find out if they have matched for a residency program. If you match, you will need to contact the program to formally accept the position. This is true. I would say most programs, like, reach out and contact you. There's going to be some contact, and you usually have to sign something and have a formal agreement of acceptance. It's important to note that application process for pharmacy residency programs can be competitive and it may be helpful to gain relevant work or volunteer experience in the field to strengthen your application. I would say it's very helpful to do those things. There are a whole list of things that you need to do to get a pharmacy residency. I've made content on it before. Pharmacy residencies are getting less competitive than they have in the past, but I do think it's good to have some of those things on your application so you stand out and you can get interviews at your top programs. So there were my seven questions for ChatGPT. Overall, I think it did pretty good at giving some basic information about the pharmacy profession. While I didn't agree with all of the answers that it gave, or maybe it wasn't the most accurate information, it could be used as a really good starting point. And I'm sure if you're using something like ChatGPT4, you're going to get a lot better answers than I'm getting with this version here. So my recommendation, if you're using the free version that I did and you're asking questions about the pharmacy profession, just double check the answers that you're getting. See if you can reach out to a pharmacist or somebody that you know who is in pharmacy school to answer some of these questions and give you a little bit more guidance than you're going to get from using AI alone. Also, if you're looking for resources regarding residency, I have a free residency interview masterclass and a free guide to doing your rank list in residency that you can grab over on my website, happyfarmlife.com. With that, thank you all for listening. I will be back soon with another episode. Bye!